we're in a series called Human. And I, I, this series I, I was pumped about ever since I was reading Genesis a few um, months ago. And here's our key scripture, Genesis 5, verses 1 and 2 says, And God created human beings in His image. He created them male and female, and He blessed them. That's unique among all of His creations. He, he verbally spoke a blessing over them, and He called them human. There, there is so much behind one word, human, and don't we all know it? There's three common themes throughout this series that I'm going to talk about, um, but w number one is there's a, the brokenness of humanity. This is God's um, pinnacle of his creation. He calls it human. He says it's very good, and you and I look around and go, that ain't very good. We, we, smell, we smell our neighbor's morning breath, and we say, that ain't very good. We, we see our co-worker's attitude, we go, that is not very good. Come on. We, we, we drive on the same roads as other human beings, and we say, uh, come on, maybe technology needs to move quicker, because maybe computers can drive better than these people cutting me off can do. You, you know what I'm saying? Uh, maybe some of y'all aren't there yet. That's okay. I, I don't care. But we look at human beings, and we say, we're broken. There, there is a brokenness to humanity that is um, not what God meant when he said, I called him human. And he said it in vigor. We say, I'm only human, meaning back off. I make plenty of mistakes. I'm imperfect. There's also the attack of Satan against humanity. Satan picks us out out of all of creation to attack. I don't see him really attacking oak trees. I, 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 don't, see, I don't see him attacking hippos. It's like, come on, you, you know, like, 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 why is it always coming at me? The devil's after me again. Come on. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that a lot today and why that is. And, but there, there's this third thing to throw in the mixer that trumps them all, and that is this. It's the love of God for humanity. It's an unceasing love. I think it's an irrational love because I see humanity and sometimes that would be really hard for me to get behind and, and love certain times and yet he never stops loving. He loves us as he finds us and his love is too good to leave us here. Come on, he takes us somewhere and uh, his love is extravagant and we're going to talk about that. And it's all centered around you and I, but you know, tap yourself and say, I am human. And this is, this is going on. All three dynamics are going on on the inside. And so um, last week, I, I'm going to draw. They're going to bring up my iPad. Um, and and uh, I, I am a visual learner, so I hope this helps some of you who are visual learners or explains. But I really want to break down Scripture to show you more about how we are wired. Last week, I talked about hu humans and the origin of human. And so we spent most of Genesis... Um, uh, in most of our time in Genesis 1 and 2, the Bible depicts like this mountain that, um, that the Garden of Eden was on. And so everything north of this is the heavens. And I believe that the Garden of Eden was like heaven on earth. And God never stops trying to bring heaven on earth. He's always looking to advance the kingdom of God. When Jesus showed up, he frequently talked about the kingdom of God is here. Heaven on earth kind of language. And so... Um, there's that dynamic going on, but then there's definitely a separation of the heavens. And so uh, the earth is everything, you know, beneath. And, and, and so I think that there's this crazy cool um, um, uh, 
touching point of earth-beaten heaven that the Garden of Eden was. And so we've got the first man. Look at Adam. Ain't that boy? Ain't that boy looking good? Come on, and Eve. Look, I'll give her some hair too. Look, she's looking hot. Okay. So anyway, and, and, and then and then there was a garden. And so we're gonna draw ourselves a little tree. Come on, I am a starving artist up here. Okay. And so look, a little fruit on that thing. Come on, they they were set up in that garden. Don't that look plush? That was heaven on earth. Don't you wish you lived there? And so we know that. Genesis 1 and 2, God created humans for four R's, okay? I talked about them last week. For a relationship, he calls us to reflect his nature. We're going to talk about that a lot too. Hold on to that, to reflect his nature. Um, He called us to rule and reign over all dominion under him. And he called us to reproduce. Come on, have some babies. Come on, reproduce and reproduce me and reproduce Jesus and reproduce God on earth. And that is our calling. But we all know, and that's why this is going to be the message of today, uh, the title of today's message, something went wrong up here. That is not the situation we find ourselves in today, is it? Come on, heaven on earth. We only get to see pockets of it, fleeting windows of it. We, we might experience it in one moment like we just had in the last song, and we might leave here and immediately somebody cuts in lines or prices have been jacked up, or you pull up at the gas pump, and all of a sudden it ain't heaven on earth no more. <laughs> Come I find it funny that people know the prices have gone up, and yet I'm, I'm pumping my gas the other day, and the guy goes, can you believe this? I'm like, no. Uh, Anyway, I didn't want to small talk about what we all have uh, been suffering under. Okay, anyway, so so something went wrong, and I want to help us understand what went wrong. And to think, uh, to to, to attack it, it doesn't start here in the garden. It actually starts up here in heaven before the garden and before humans were even created. There are three um, archangels up in heaven, Michael, Michael. Uh, Michael, Lucifer, and Gabriel, okay? And so Michael is one of the archangels that we hear about is warring in the heavens a lot of times. We see him arise in the book of Daniel. He's one of the three elite stand-apart angels. Another one is Gabriel. Gabriel is a messenger of God. We see Gabriel show up whenever God's got a message, like when he showed up to the Virgin Mary and said, you are going to have a child. That was Gabriel, one of the elite three angels. And one of them also was an angel named Lucifer. And now Lucifer, many of you all have heard this uh, term before, but he gets talked about in Ezekiel 28. And if you've got your Bible, I hope you'll turn to that right now and we're going to break it down. As we look at Ezekiel 28 and also in Isaiah 14, which I'll read in just a little bit, we get two windows from the Bible to better understand who Lucifer is and what happened to him. Did you know he started in heaven? He did not start in hell. And um, now it is called in scripture a dual prophecy. In other words, this is a prophet Ezekiel speaking to the king of Tyre. You'll read in your Bible. But even though he's speaking to a human beings, we're going to see some things that are happening in like 
ways that cannot be applying to human beings. Almost like he's speaking over the head of somebody and to something bigger. And that's why we get a picture of what happened to Lucifer. So let's look at Ezekiel 28 at the first sin that ever happened in, uh, in, our, in history. Um, it says this, verse 11. You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and exquisite in beauty. Somebody said, that boy looked hot. <laughs> that boy was pretty. <laughs> okay, listen. Verse 13. You were in Eden. Okay, you see that? Um, the king of Tyre was never in Eden. So we're already kind of leaving the script that, are we still talking about the king of Tyre right now, Ezekiel? Because he was never in Eden. Listen to this. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone. And your Bible will go on to list it. That boy had more stones than any lady up in here combined. He was blinging. He was flashing. He probably had one of them gold necklaces on, right? You know, the big one. Because, listen, he had all kinds of jewels, okay? He, 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 had, he had a little shine to him, okay? It says, they were given to you on the day that you were created. I think it warrants stopping and saying this. Sometimes we can get some uh, not-so-great theology in our head where we can think that there's good and there's evil and they are of equal power. And I want to tell you, no. A hundred times, no. Because here we see that God, who is self-existent, never was created, always was, always will be. And then we see a created Lucifer. In other words, he's not as powerful as God. He's not as creative as God. He's not as strong as God. He is not able to see down the road and into your future like God. He might try to say he can, but he is subservient to God. He is created, and God never was. By the definition of God, it means self-existent. And here we learn Satan wasn't just always was. He was created. I think that's a good point to hold on to when we sometimes think this is a 50-50 battle. No, it is a, 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 a sliding scale that God is superior. Number 14, uh, chapter, uh, verse 14. I ordained and anointed you on the, um, uh, the mighty angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God and you walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless. And all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you, you sinned. So we see that he was in heaven, in God's presence, one of the three elite archangels, and he sinned. It was pride, it was selfishness, something rose up in him, and from there was the first sin ever created. Somebody say, whew, Eve nor Adam did it. Come on. Listen. It says, so I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. Sin will always separate you from God's presence. Sin will always push you further from God. It says this, I expelled you, O mighty, mighty guardian. Your heart was filled with pride. We're going to see what in the original sin what is at the root of all kinds of sin. I'll define it later, but you know what's in the middle of all kinds of sin? Selfishness. It's a desire to 
push me up and push God down. I can take it from here. I want to be just like you. I know better how to run my life than you do. Your ways are old-fashioned. I've got it going on. And so your heart was filled with pride because of your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor. So I threw you to the ground and exposed you. So I see a few things going on in Satan that might give us a hint of what goes on in the temptations of our sin. Discontentedness when he's got everything. He is in a great place with great purpose and great responsibility, and yet it's not good enough for him. And we will find that in our own temptations too. This appeal for I want more, I want more, I need more, I need more. He's got an ego problem. He's got a desire to be God, and he's got pride. So they're going to bring back up my iPad, and, and, and I'm going to show you what happens from that point. So God, in Ezekiel 28, says that he casts Satan to the earth. And so we got Satan's fall. He is now on the earth, and oh my goodness, there's three dangerous ingredients in Satan's dark recipe. Let me give you real quickly what happens, and let's throw this into a mixer or an equation. You've got the fact that he's just been denied because of his self-exaltation. You add to it that now he's got a hatred for God for expelling him, and then you add to it that he has knowledge that humans are the apple of his eye. And all of that gets mixed up to equal a targeting agenda against humans in order to hurt God. Let me break that down. Number one, he denied for his self-exaltation. Someone say, me, me, me. He was the worship leader in heaven, and I don't think he was up there warming up his silky pipes going, me, 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 me. He was saying, I, I will ascend. I am someone special. I deserve glory and praise. I deserve recognition. I deserve a piece of the pie too. Look at 1 John 4, 3. This is his spirit. It says, every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. What is the spirit of the Antichrist? A refusing to exalt God. It is a, I'm tired of exalting you, I'm I, I, it's time for people to exalt me. I'm pretty special. i got a great brain too. I've done some fantastic things too. I measure up as well. I know better than you. I've got a plan for my own life. You're old-fashioned. Get out of my way, God. I can take it from here. It's a self-exaltation. And we all struggle with it. 100% of us do. Anytime selfishness arises, it's the set, we, we are treading dangerously close to the original sin of pride, just saying, I got it from here. I don't need your help. I don't want to exalt you in this moment. And it says that this spirit of the Antichrist, which is refusing to exalt God, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in this world. He was full of himself and know anybody in this world who's full of himself. It shows up all around us, doesn't it? It shows up in us from time to time, too. Like when the conversation starts and we just can't help ourselves from hijacking that conversation to tell our story, which is better than theirs, right? All the way to the point where we find people who are so full of themselves. Does anybody meet somebody full of themselves and go, wow, that was a breath of fresh air. That was awesome. That felt like heaven on earth. Now, it's the spirit of the Antichrist, which is so self-glorifying and so not Jesus-glorifying. 
You get around people who give all glory, honor, and praise to Jesus, you start seeing, wow, come on. They got a heavenly perspective that I need a part of my life as well. Number two was the, you add to it the hatred for God. Satan just wants payback. He wants to hurt God again. In fact, look at Isaiah 14, the other scripture that depicts his fall out of heaven. It says in verse 12, You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High God. And then you add to it the fact that he knows that we are the apple of his eye. James says this in 116, we out of all creations, human beings, are God's prized possession. So what does that mean? All that means is that he starts targeting humans to hurt God. Can I say it this way? He's not for you. Satan is not for your fun. Satan is not for your pleasure. Satan is not trying to share with you a secret you didn't know about that will unlock all the pleasures of heaven. Satan is not for you. He's against God. In fact, Satan's not for anything. He is against God. It isn't even about you because he uses you to tick off God because his original frustration is with God himself. I want to be like God. And if that person is special to God, then watch how I jack up her life. Because I don't know how to get you. You're, you're perfection. You're above me. But I can jack her up and I can watch you try to cry. It's not about loving you. It's about breaking God's heart. That's what sin is. And my goal for today, one of my goals is to cause you and I to hate sin more. Like when we see sin, I want it to have a distasteful bitterness in our mouths that we just go, ah, bleh, yeah, come on. When, when I see it happening to me or when I see it happening to my kids or when I see it happening to my neighbor or when I see it happening to my coworker who's buying the lie, I just want to hate sin so much that I wouldn't just go, oh, congratulations, that's so awesome, I'm just so glad. But instead, I would open my mouth and tell about the love of Jesus Christ that can cover all those things and we no longer have to chase Karen. But we can instead find a place where we find the love of God. Oh, come on, under the, the, the love of God. Come on, we got to see sin differently. So they're going to pull back up my iPod, and I'm going to show you what happens now after Satan's fall. So Satan decides, if I can't take out God, what I can do is take out his precious ones. And so he slithers up to the Garden of Eden. And this is the story many of us are familiar with in Genesis chapter 3, where the snake is in Genesis 3, the garden. And let's unpack that really quick, the, the plot to destroy man's relationship with God. If you've got your Bible, go to Genesis 3. And it says this. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. Why is he so shrewd? Because he knows in order to tick God off, I'll take out humans. And so he slithers his way up to a human being and he says, I know what you represent in God's eyes and I know how much he loves you. He loves you in a way that is unstoppable. So I'm going to try to break that love. I'm going to try to separate you. And he says, one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? He begins by questioning God's word. 
He begins by questioning God's authority. And do you know, in the second sin of our Bible, the first one of human beings, we can see how his tactics are still true today. When Satan shows up and goes, did God really say you're special? Did God really say you're forgiven? Did God really say you could be right with him? Did God really say that if you obey these laws? Do you really believe the Ten Commandments? Do you really believe God's love is unceasing? Ha! You're a screw-up. Who would love you? Do you really believe? And he starts by questioning the Word of God. This is why it's so important that we have to spend time in our Word. We got to know the Word of God because let God's Word be true and every other voice be a lie. What His Word is true, but Satan comes and says, that can't be true. You and I know it can't be true. It's a little bit off. You got it, you got it wrong. And it says in verse 6, the woman became convinced. There's the start of sin. When we become convinced that God's word might not be true, and I might be missing out on something great. And so we decide maybe a different path wouldn't be so difficult or, or so bad and so the woman was convinced she took some of the fruit and ate it then she gave some to her husband who was with her he ate it too and at that moment their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness in other words disobedience alters our relationship the very moment disobedience comes in it alters the relationship with God it even alters relationship with broken humanity one by one. We start looking around. We start, it, it, all of a sudden, it's not the, the heavenly nature it was before. In verse 14, then the Lord God said to the serpent as he cursed them for what they did, because you have done this, you are cursed. I will cause hostility. That word in your Bible might say enmity. The word means hatred. I will cause hatred between you Satan and human beings listen to this he says this I will cause hatred between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring he humans will strike your head and you will strike only their heel in other words you know what I love about God even though humans messed up and got jacked up even though they're broken his purpose is still intact I still have a plan for you to rule and reign you screwed up but what's gonna happen is when they find my love and reconciliation Satan they're still gonna step on your neck the best you could do is try to bite their heels but they're gonna have dominion over you and so let me let me show you what happens. Three simple steps to him targeting man. He wants, to, he wants to tempt man to lose trust in God, steal trust from God, and then that will cause sin. We've got to see sin differently. So come back to my iPad one last time, and then I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what all this means, okay? What does it mean for us today? So in this, we see the second sin, which is the first sin of uh, human beings. And God says that they were cast out of the Garden of Eden as well as Satan. And now this is the human fall. And so now, do you see, there's a few things I want to point out. Is that, um, number one, uh, what's interesting is both of the falls come from sin. Let me ask a very simple question, but I think it's profound. What direction does sin take us in? Every single doesn't Satan tell us, but if you try this, you'll get high. But 
if you try this, the pleasure will be high. No, 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 no. It's always down. And then now we're in a dynamic now where on earth we've got Satan on earth, we've got humans on earth, and we've got enmity in between. In other words, hatred going on here. This is quite the mixer for you and I today in 2022. So let me break down what does all this mean. I'm done with the iPad. Thank you so much for the media team helping me uh, connect that. What does this mean? Four things for you. Number one, humanity is broken. Write this down. Humanity is broken. We are a bunch of broken people living in a broken world. What do I want you to do with this message? Write this down. Show somebody grace today. Show somebody grace today. You needed grace from God. It was while we were still yet sinners that Jesus Christ died for us. We had bad breath. We had bad days. We had bad attitudes. We do some bad parenting. We do some bad laboring. We do some bad, I didn't mean birthing. I meant like working. Okay, anyway, we do some bad driving, getting off the subject. Come on, we are broken too. And we need God's love. And what I don't see God doing in order to win humans back is go, boy, you guys are despicable down there. <laughs> Disgusted with you. You made what decision today? You did what? I can't believe you acted like that. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you yelled at them like that. I can't believe you cussed them out like that. So, look, I wrote it this way. Righteous people which God is working on us. If you give God permission, he will work righteousness into us. We can't expect unrighteous people to act righteous. Like we're in a broken world. Like if we lower our expectations, why are they always mad all the time? Probably because they're hurting on the inside. And then I could begin to love them and try to bring them to the love of God instead of judging them and talking about them at the water cooler all the time. Because we're not winning friends just picking other people apart. We are called to something better, a relationship, a nature that reflects God to rule and to reign and to reproduce. But we're probably not going to accomplish that if all we're doing is picking at each other. We've got to learn we're in a broken world. When we realize we're in a broken world, then we can start to expect they're going to lie. Now I get why they cheat. The author of it taught us how to do it tempts us with it we start to understand why people hurt other people why people get sexually confused they don't know their origins and if you don't then i want to introduce you to the love of god i'm probably not going to do that best by pointing fingers at you even while we still yet sin god loved us and died on the cross for us so we lead with love because god is love God is not hatred, God is love, and that means grace. And we church folk have trouble with grace sometimes. We realize we need grace, we just don't like extending it once we have it. Because I am this and you are not. <laughs> okay, listen, when I was not, I needed somebody to love me enough to reach their hand down to me instead of pointing at me and going, Pfft. You do what? You're such a loser. You are so lost. You are so lost. Where can I come to church with you? No, 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 no. I saw people love God, and I said, I want to love God like that too. And the more that I fell in love with God, the more I started realizing what righteousness looked like. And he worked on me. So if you're not so great at being righteous, welcome home. 
There's a place for you here at Lift Church as you grow with God because he loves you as he finds you, but his love is too good to leave you here. Come on. You're not going to be the same person next year if you just keep coming. And so we just, we believe that as the word gets in you, that, that helps out just a little bit. Can I get an amen? amen? Number two, Satan found a winning strategy in the garden. What does this all mean for us? Satan found a winning strategy in the garden. Um, he, he figured out how to, how to cause man to fall. Now, uh, we, our family sometimes plays some ping pong. And I got to say this, um, my wife is quite the ping pong player. My brother-in-law is really good, um, and, and, and we're not going to talk about him. But my, my, my wife, she grew up playing him, and she is a really good ping pong player. Now, I'm about to tell you that she's got one weakness that I know about, and y'all don't. So now I'm ruining her ping pong game if y'all ever play her, because she would probably take you down. She's just that good. Her one weakness is she's got no forehand. All backhand, baby. All backhand. So if this is the table, she'll start edging her way this way. So at every single shot, she is just putting away. If you lay one up on her backhand side, she will swing her arm across, and that ball will fly so fast past you, you, you you'll, never, you'll never hit it on that side of the table again. So you know what I do? I work her forehand. All day long. I just play the weak spot. All day long. You see my wife playing like this. Next thing you know, she's like next to the table. She's like all the way over here so that she can work this side of the table. Because she doesn't want to use her forehand. Do you know Satan's found a winning agenda against humans too? It's called pride. Selfishness. I'm just going to work this side of the table because it works every single time. If I just keep laying the ball up over here, you know more, better than God. Why do, you, why do you listen to the word of God? You're pretty smart. You figure some things out. You're pretty popular. Your last tweet got 472 likes. You must be pretty wise. Why don't you start listening to your own wisdom? Like, you get it? Yeah, more of me, more of me, more of me, full of myself, full of myself. He's just laying it up on your forehand side because you know, I know how to take you down every single time. Look at this. What's his strategy? Look at Proverbs 16, 18. Pride comes before destruction, and an arrogant spirit before a fall. What's our weakness in our game? He just lobs it up to pride every single time. You got this relationship from here. Those marriage rules are old-fashioned. No one else is doing it this way. You know that. You're pretty cool anyway. Everyone follows you. You're the leader. See all these voices that question God's word. And tries to get you to go, you know what? I got it from here, God. I can alter from your word. That's his playbook. Question God. Trust yourself. Financially, you know how to handle your finances better than God. You don't have to give. You don't have to be generous. Do what you want to do, bro. Spiritually, relationally, sexually. Come on. It's, it, it's, it, don't, here's what I want you to do. Don't choose your way over God's way. All right, number three, and, I, and the band's going to join me, and I'll finish with this, uh, three and four, okay? Number three, what does this mean for us? Broken humanity is not just broken, and Satan hasn't just figured out a winning strategy, but broken humanity is being toyed with by Satan. This kind of ticks me off a little bit. You and I are not loved by Satan. We're just puppets to break God's heart. I wrote it this way. Satan does not care about you. 
He cares about breaking God's heart. Look at John 10.10. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. I like how C.S. Lewis said the agenda of Satan is. It's an ever-increasing craving for an ever-diminishing pleasure. To get the man's soul and offer nothing in return. That's our agenda. He just wants to keep saying, you need more. You need more. You got it from here. You can alter. And he just keeps taking the pleasure. That's why the pleasure is fleeting. I didn't get the same hit as last time. I need more this time. I need bigger this time. I need, I need more numbers. I need, I, need to, I, I need to prove something. And so it's an ever-diminishing pleasure. He's trying to take your soul and give you nothing in return. So let me expose his playbook. Question God. Cause you to trust yourself more. Which will juice up your selfishness. Which will lead to sin, and sin always separates unto destruction. Question, it all starts with questioning God. We got to be more mindful and aware of his strategy. Some people say, what is sin? Here's my definition. Whatever is contrary to the nature of God. God created us in his image, and when sin was introduced, we are constantly trying to get back to the nature of God. Would God do this? Right? Um, 1 John 3, 4 says, Sin is lawlessness. Ignoring God's law by action or neglect or by tolerating wrongdoing. In other words, being unrestrained by his command and his will. You just do whatever you want. Sin is less about breaking rules and more about breaking God's heart. I want to say that again. I hope you'll write that down. Sin is less about breaking rules and more about breaking God's heart. When I realized my sin is breaking God's heart, that's when I grew distasteful towards sin. I was still addicted to some of it. I've told you some of my story. Pornography had a hold on me. Alcohol, it was something I had to do in order to be fun, social life. Um, language, taking advantage of girls. And when I realized that this sin was less about breaking rules and Ten Commandments and more about breaking God's heart, oh, I wanted to do it less and less. And when I did, I immediately found myself repenting for hurting God again. If you do that, you are going to find God working righteousness into your life, this broken vessel. So what do I want you to do with this? Don't let Satan troll you so easily. You know, people get on social media they troll you and just get a rise out of you that's what satan is he's just laughing at you <laughs> they fell for that <laughs> they think i love them and are, are all about them having a good time they're so stupid i don't care about them i care about hurting him and they let me do it all the time so we're living side by side with satan what hope do we have here's our hope god is still in love with humanity despite all God is still in love. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. You're not going to lose in this enmity towards Satan. You are going to rule, reign, and crush his head. You shall not perish. You should have everlasting life because of a great love of God that covers all the rest. So what do you do with this message? Love God more. Hate sin more. I want you to love God more. Hate sin more. And I want you to invite someone to Easter. So how did that one get up in the mix? If I, 
Pastor, I know what you're doing. Hold on. God is in love with a lot of people who don't know God yet. And he put us at work with them or in our family with them. They're our jacked up uncle and they know, we know where the promise comes from, right? Come on. If we love God and what he did to deliver us, then we've got to reach out to people who need to hear the good message of God. If we hate what sin does, has done to us and does to others, then we've got to tell the good news of Jesus Christ, which we'll do next week. So I'm inviting you to invite someone this week. Make it your goal. You've got to tell somebody, I want you to come with me to church for Easter. There's two awesome things. It's a whole weekend. On Saturday, there's an extravaganza in Mill Pond where we're going to have the huge Easter egg hunt. We're going to have a cookout. we got a petting zoo. we got cotton candy. we got fun and games. It's going to be great. It's not only an outreach to Mill Pond, but it's for you and your family. Come mix it up with us. Okay, come pack every kid in your neighborhood in your car and say, let's go have fun. Don't do that in a weird way. Don't do that in an odd van or something like that with heavy tent. Get parents' permission. Bring the parents with you, okay? Disclaimer. And then on Sunday, gosh, I'm so pumped about the things we have planned. It is going to be a powerful experience. we got a few special elements to, to just let us fall in love with God more. We're going to pr- preach Jesus Christ. There will be cotton candy when you leave and a photo wall because Mama wants a picture on Easter. Bring them kids too because you're going to want a picture to hang on your mantle. But Jesus is going to hang on the mantle of your life after what you see that. Look, I worked that in in the last service. I was proud of myself. That was impromptu. Let's pray. God, you're so awesome. All that we have put you through, all the attacks against you, Satan's dark agenda, and yet you never stop loving us. Oh, my goodness, God. We just want to stop and say, I love you. Come on, right now, just say, I love you. I love you, God. I love you in spite of my brokenness. I love you in spite of being confused at times in life. I love you. I need you. I desire you, God. I pray a blessing over your people that you would protect them. May the Lord protect you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's face shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and give you peace. Before everybody looks up or opens their eyes, I know some people are dealing with shame, guilt, regret. You realize that you got played by the devil just like I did. Where you messed up. I fell for his agenda. I fell for his tricks. I bought into the lie that I could do it on my own, that I was good enough. And you're starting to realize the same way I did, that God loves us even though we were never created to do it on our own. His way is better causes shame, guilt, and regret. We know it. It's called stupid. Sinning, I call it doing stupid. And we know when we've done stupid. And we've hurt people, we've hurt others, but we broke the heart of God. Do you know that there's forgiveness in the Son, Jesus Christ, who became human to die in our place so that we could be made right with God again? All you have to do is acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Son of God, and that he died for your sins to let you start all over again. And if you're in this place and you say, that's what I want to do, then with every head bowed, every eye closed, I will not embarrass you or call you forward. I'm just going to ask you that you would uh, just raise your hand to heaven and say, God, that's me. That's me. Include me in that prayer. If you're online, 
Come on, you just say, I, I, I want that too. You can write in the chat, include me in this prayer. And what we're going to do is everyone's going to pray along with you. Pray out loud this prayer. And the Hall of Lift Church is going to pray. Let's say, Jesus, I give you my life. I have sinned. I've done some stupid things. I'm sorry for them, Lord. Sorry for breaking your heart. I thank you for Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, who became human to die in my place so that I could be forgiven. I receive your forgiveness now. I am not held liable for those anymore. They are in my past. They are under the blood of Jesus Christ. I am a new person, and you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said, amen. Come on.